3 John, we'll be looking at verse 3. And I thought about putting verses 3 and 4 together in the same study, but we're going to separate them out because um, I think they're both very rich. But please read with me, if you would, before we get into 3 John, verse 3, verse number 11, which I believe is the, the central verse of 3 John. It says, Beloved, speaking to Gaius, this is John, the beloved speaking to Gaius, Follow not that which is good, but follow not that which is evil, that is, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. As John has been making his writings, you can see a progression of maturity through these writings. And again, 3 John gives us the level of maturity that not only would one believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that they would be assured in their salvation that we would know we have eternal life, but also that we would walk in it, as he said in 2 John, and also have perception of who we can follow. Okay, some dis discernment here. So you can see that progression there of spiritual maturity. As we look at verse 3, it says, let's read down through that way, because because it's, verse 3 starts with the word for, and we have to know why it's there. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish all, above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly. So the for I rejoice greatly points back to as thy soul prospereth. Okay. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. So when he said the truth that is in thee, um, just in a practical sense, working in healthcare, there are things that are going on in people's bodies. And many times I have to ask further questions, and many times they're guarded in their posture, and it's observable what's going on with them. But at any rate, there's some investigation to know what's going on inside somebody. Think about it in a mental capacity. Someone could be in a depressed mood, but, but unless you really ask them what's going on, you don't know what's going on inside them, right? So how did John know what was in Gaius? Well, he says, even as thou walkest in the truth. There, there's a demonstration of truth, and that demonstration was a demonstration of what was inside of him. Read verse 11 again. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. How do you know if someone is evil or good on the inside? He says, he that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. You know who to follow. You know if someone is good or evil in their heart based on how they behave themselves, okay? based on their, their behavior. Now, I do want to say this also, that there was a righteousness that the Pharisees had. They were, they were blameless or perfect according to the law, but the Lord Jesus Christ said, you're, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not see the kingdom or enter into the kingdom of God. So this isn't talking about a perfection of walk, but a desire of true goodness or following after Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ said, unless one take up their cross and follow me, they cannot be my disciple. So what does that mean? So goodness, goodness in a human realm is crucifixion of the flesh and desiring true fellowship with Jesus Christ. Follow that guy. Okay, that's what he's saying. 
The testimony, the, the title for the message is a testimony worth rejoicing over. A testimony worth rejoicing over. There's a lot of people that say they're children of God and they don't have a testimony worth rejoicing over. It's my desire for my own self and my desire for you that the, that the, the membership of, of this assembly indeed have a testimony worth rejoicing over. What do we rejoice in? Well, that testify, that word testify, that, that word means to be a witness of or to bear witness of. You know, you've seen shows where there's a, there's a court going on. They call it a witness. What does the witness do? They say what they saw. Well, they say, well, well I think this and I think that. They'll say, no, uh, I object. Speculation or I object. Hearsay. Not what I think, not what I feel. But what have I observed? That's what a witness does. They, they observe things. They affirm what they've seen or what they've heard or experienced. Or what they know or have been taught. Okay, a, a true witness. There'll be a, an expert witness, maybe a medical examiner. Well, in your opinion, what happened here? And then they'll give their expert testimony. You see. He says, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. They gave a witness. They had experienced Gaius, and they knew he believed some stuff, and they, believed, they knew that his beliefs patterned his living. A true testimony worth rejoicing over. And you notice whose testimony had, had any bearing of weight. He didn't say, I went over to the neighboring town and asked the town drunk, what's a testimony here? Or he didn't say, look, I, I sent over some kind of questionnaire, Gaius, and based on how you answered this question, you bear record that you have a testimony. No, the brethren, the people of God, those that walk in light. Do you think John would have cared what those who followed, that, followed evil and those that do evil and have not seen God, do you think that John really cared what they thought about Gaius? I don't. But I believe... That John, he said, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God. I believe when John said the brethren have a testimony of you, Gaius, that you have truth in you and walk in the truth, that these brethren, yes, maybe Jews probably were, but were brethren uh, in, in the fact that they, they were also children of God. And children of God had a testimony that Gaius indeed did walk in truth. That's a big difference. You can ask somebody in the world, how was how so-and-so? What kind of person are they? Oh, they're a good old fellow. They pay their taxes. Never heard them cuss before, whatever. It's different to ask the children of God, or it ought to be different to ask the children of God what testimony someone has. You, if you look at the qualifications of pastors and deacons in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, these people were to have testimonies that, yes, the truth is in them, but they're also living and walking in truth. Gaius, he indeed did have truth in him, but his, the truth in him bore out how he behaved himself. And because there was a testimony of the truth in Gaius and that he walked in truth, and the brethren, the children of God, said, yes, he is a stout child of God, what was the response of John? He rejoiced. A testimony worth rejoicing over. If I were found in some terrible sin and I came before you 
Would that be a testimony worth rejoicing over? If, if it were brought out that, that and let your, and, and I, I give you permission, let your imagine, imagination run wild, the worst possible thing, whatever, is that a testimony worth rejoicing over? Is that something that someone could say, yes, that, 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 never mind that, he's perfectly okay and qualified to be the pastor of that church? Many of you would say no for many different reasons. But a testimony worth rejoicing over is one indeed. Look in verse eleven again, please. He that he but he uh, see, but he that doeth good is of God. A testimony worth rejoicing over bears record that one is of God. First John chapter three. Verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. So someone has a worldly... If everyone in the world can say what a, what a, what a right person, the world just wrap their arms around you, give you a big sloppy kiss, that's a sign that something's wrong. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. What did they do to the Son of God when he was on this earth? Did, they, did the world just, the religious world, they just wrap their arms around him, give him a big sloppy kiss? They hated him. That's right. He testified unto them that their, eeds, their deeds were evil. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when, we, when he shall appear, Christ shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's later. But now, every man that hath this hope or expectation in him purifieth himself. That's verse 3. Even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is transgression and breaking of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. Yes, in the hereafter. Yes, in the mind of God. But now, if one continues in sin the way they once did, they're not following God and Christ has not taken away their sins. In him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not, does not continue in sin. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you, he that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he, the Lord Jesus Christ, is righteous. A testimony worth rejoicing of. He didn't just rejoice in this. He wasn't just glad or real glad. He didn't just say, oh boy, oh boy. But it says greatly, exceedingly, abundantly, beyond measure. It's a fine thing for a child of God to see a child of God behaving like a child of God. As hurtful as it is when we're, when we're in sin and when sin has overtaken us, and it, it does at times. Look, if you would, please, in Galatians chapter 6. To say that we are not taken in sin at times, we deceive ourselves. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye, ye which are spiritual, restore such an such one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That could be anyone at any time. 
I've seen pastors stand before congregations and repent of sin before congregations, and that con those congregations receive them. It could happen to anyone at any time, but yet there's also a command in chapter 6 and verse 1 that we are to be spiritual, that we, that each of us have, have a responsibility to be, to be spiritual, that we can restore one another. You see, if we're all walking in measures of darkness and we all continue in the, in the lust of this flesh, well, who's going to help anybody? How can we provoke one another in love and good works except, except we have a testimony that we have truth in us and that we walk in it? Is anyone perfect in this? I'm certainly not. But it ought to be our desire. 1 John, again, chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, well, do you see your sin as sin? Do you desire that that sin be ridden out of your life? If you confess your sin, to who? To God Almighty, begging for forgiveness according to the cause of Jesus Christ, His gospel. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession from the heart would desire both. Some people just want the forgiveness of sins, but they don't want cleansed from it. That's not a converted heart. A converted heart desires cleansing of sin. Not just forgiveness, not just a fire escape, but cleansing. So one walking, one having the truth, primarily in the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the truth of the word of God, and walking in it will desire to be cleansed from sin and, and walk in fellowship with Jesus Christ as he walks in light. He is light, 1 John chapter 1. And this truth, the reality, the fact, the certainty and things that pertaining to God, that's the truth that we're talking about. He's not talking about, and this might sound silly, but... He's not talking about you know the, the truth of the rules of, the, of professional football. He's not talking about uh, the truth and, and the syntax of the wording of the law. He's talking about God Almighty being holy. Man by nature is sinful and fallen. Man cannot him save, save himself. Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which is lost. And when he saves, he saves in salvation for eternity, but he also saves and rescues in this present life. There's a change, and there's a love for that. There's a love for that truth. That truth being in a person that he that he's talking about Gaius here, that's talking about having a home or a possession, right? So if I say we have within us uh, as a group certain things, certain responsibilities, that means it's our, it's our possession, okay? If I say we have within us uh, the Spirit of God, that, that, that's a possession. Well, the truth here then was a possession as granted by God unto Gaius. He treasured it. Okay. Some people don't care much about possessions, but a child of God does treasure the gifts that God gives us, particularly the truth that he has given us, and that truth in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that treasuring of truth produces behavior or, 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 or has a behavior to uh, a progress or a way of life, how we conduct ourselves, how, how we live. So this, this possession of truth changed who Gaius was. If you look in verse 
For I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Gaius evidently was a person that John had told the gospel to when Gaius was an unsaved man, and now Gaius is a saved person, and John knows the difference. You're not what you were. You're something different. You're something new. You're born again, and you walk in it, you see. He has joy, and that Gaius is a changed person for the gospel of Jesus Christ's sake. I know that's a long introduction. Now you see why we broke it up into two different portions here. There's, there's just four points to this message. There's a personal testimony. There's personal rejoicing. There's personal holding of truth and a personal walk. This is a personal message. Personal for Gaius, personal for John, personal for me, personal for you. The personal testimony, everybody has a testimony. Everybody does. Our president has a testimony. Our former president has a testimony. The present membership has a testimony. The, those that have been disciplined, they have a testimony. The people that, that have visited here and say, forget y'all and they leave before the services are over, they have a, everybody has a testimony. Everybody has a testimony. What kind of testimony did Gaius have? Well, he had a testimony worth rejoicing over. He was evaluated by the brethren. Again, he, he loved and held the truth, and he walked in the truth. How simple, but yet at the same time, how lovely, how beautiful it is. We just went to that meeting over in, in Florida, and it's wonderful to be in, in full of a room, be in a room with many of those people I had never met before in my life. But in just a little while, you, you see a lovely and beautiful testimony of, of folks that, that, have, uh, that they have been verified one with another. One, one of the preachers, I won't say his name, one of the preachers, I, I've met him before but never heard him preach before in my life. But based on what other men said about him in some very difficult times and his responses, According to the gospel of Jesus Christ, immediately I perceived that he had a testimony worth rejoicing over. It's wonderful how that works. It's wonderful how the people of God can, can truly rejoice in God. And he didn't rejoice greatly of Gaius. The source of the rejoicing was the work of God in Gaius. Okay? But it is worth rejoicing over. It was a personal testimony. I know that God so loved the world, but I know Jesus died for me. There should be a personal testimony that I love truth, that I hold to it, and I walk in it. And because that personal testimony, because Jesus saved me, he died for me as an individual, this should have an individual impact on my life, his gospel. Saved people should follow good and saved people should act like it. We read it several times. Verse 11, Beloved, fallen out that which is evil. What's evil? Well, the heart's desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the flesh is born to die. Yeah. What then can we rely on? Well, that which is spiritual, that which has experienced the new birth, and that new birth will govern our lives. It will. Turn, if you would, please, to the book of Romans. Romans, please. I'll get there. 
I'm sorry, chapter 6 and verse 13. No, verse 12. Chapter 6 and verse 12. My mind was slipping. He says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. You see the thir- three, per- three parts of a person, right? So the spiritual man is not to let sin or, the de- or a hold of sin have either uh, reign or dominion in the body, nor in the mind, which is where lust comes from. Okay, So you have the spiritual man is not to let the mortal body, the flesh, nor the mind rule it. The spiritual man is to rule. Neither yield your members or the devices of your body, the spiritual man, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God. Does the mind do that? Well, if it could, it wouldn't need the new birth. And... The flesh is just going to do what the flesh does. As those that are alive from the dead. Well, what was alive from the dead? Was it the mind or the body? No, it was the soul. As those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. If you're a saved person, act like it. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know you not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart, the new birth, obeyed from the heart, that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So the the people of God saved people. He says, follow not that which is evil, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But that which is good, the spiritual man, the new birth, those things that are of God. He that doeth good is of God, born of God, born again, born from above, saved. But he that doeth evil hath not seen God. He that continues in sin, or he that that has a a love for this present world, hath not seen God. A personal testimony. What what is our personal testimony? Is it something that the children of God would greatly rejoice over? If I knew the the real you and you knew the real me, would we greatly rejoice over these things? Sin ought to grieve us. I'm not saying that we should be sinless and perfect. We ought to be, but we're not. Sin grieving us, we should desire cleansing, and that would cause us to follow that which is good, which would bear out that we are of God. You see how this flows. There's a personal testimony that Gaius had. These things are not unachievable. They're expected of the children of God. They're expected. There's a personal rejoicing it's wonderful for the children of God to have a, God, a godly, personal testimony. It's wonderful. We should rejoice in the, in the general word and works of God, meaning the common salvation. If you look down on my page, it's on the same page in the book of Jude, verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, that should... Uh, not that it's low or mean, but the salvation that all the children of God experience. 
The circumstances of your salvation are different than mine, but the method is the same. Jesus Christ died for your sins. The Spirit of God made you alive all by the purpose and will of God the Father. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So Jude, writing these things, he he's not holding into question at all that that when he writes concerning this faith that the children of God wouldn't just lap it up. He 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 knew that that the people of God would desire to hear of the common salvation. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified or set apart by God the Father preserved in the gospel of Jesus Christ and called by the Spirit. Wonderful things to hear. That's a, that's a wonderful series of messages right there. But also he, write, he wrote unto them to contend or to, 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 to seek after and guard the faith and everything that is involved with that. Well, it's faith. The hope for a thing, uh, let's see, I'm going to mess that up in Hebrews chapter 11. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What's on the inside demonstrated on the outside. Right? Doing what God says, trusting the Lord and doing what he says. So in personal rejoicing, John had a personal rejoicing over Gaius because Gaius trusted the Lord and his life bore it out. You see the I and the thee. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. That's one man writing to another man. Sometimes we can speak of salvation and we can speak of church and we speak of body, but we, we forget the, the personalizing of this that, that you, as a child of God, when you examine me and my walk, should rejoice in God. And don't lower your opinion of God to do that. You should expect me to follow that which is good, because that's what John said in verse 11. Right? There should be personal rejoicing, though. Rejoicing over one of them. I have a personal rejoicing over y'all. I really do. I have a personal re- You know what? You don't, you don't know what it means to me as a pastor when I... Act, you know, we're going out this weekend and witnessing. You know what it means to me? To see the people of God desiring to share the word of God, seeking that souls will be saved. I have a personal rejoicing of the truth that is in you and that you walk in it. It's wonderful. I thank God for that. I really do. This past week. I was asking some men, what do you, you know, who's holding services for you this weekend? One guy said, well, they've got, you know how we used to do the TV and then broadcast? Well, they're doing that for their services. They were broadcasting it, yeah, you know. And they said, what about you? I said, well, there's a faithful man in the assembly, and he's holding services for us. Brother White, people have never met you, rejoiced at the truth that is in you, and, and that you walk in it. Isn't that wonderful? That people that have never met one another can, can thank God and rejoice in the works of God that he has in, in the lives of his people. We should rejoice over one another in prayer and in 
in meditation. I, I thank you, Lord, for the for what you've given to Lex and what you've given to Jill and Debbie and, and Adam and Gary. And I, I thank God and Nelda. I thank God what you've done in their lives and the testimony you have in their lives. That's a joyful thing to pray. Thankfulness. I encourage you to rejoice over one another. And if you and if you see some blind spots in one another, just pull each other aside and say, hey, look, you know, I love you. Let's, let's talk about something. I need to talk about something. If we, if we struggle to rejoice over one another because the truth, either the truth is not in us or it's not evidence that it's in us, then we need to talk about some things. If you see deficiencies in me and that, please pull me aside. And I mean that. But in all honesty, I rejoice. I greatly rejoice in each one of you. As a group, yes, but as individuals, I greatly rejoice over you. I thank God for you. There's a personal holding of truth, even, even among the Lord's people. Holding the truth, being in possession of it, is a pretty rare thing. There's a lot of people that can go sit down in a church for a lot of years you might be surprised if you start asking them any questions with depth, some of the answers they give. Those kinds of things come out when a pastor who has been in one place for very long and then they die or move or something, and you see the next man that they call or woman that they call, shame on them. The next person they call, you can see what they really believe and what they don't. I believe, I believe that while I, we don't know everything, you don't know everything, I don't know everything, that I believe you all hold the truth and I believe you all crave it and desire it and want to know more, and which to me causes me to rejoice all the more. There are many that simply are novice in the truths of God's word. Look, if you would, please, in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. People have differences of opinion. He wrote the book of Hebrews. Well, I'll leave it alone right now. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. And being made perfect, he, the Lord Jesus Christ, became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Well, what in the world does that mean? Melchizedek, you can go back and try to read his genealogy, where he came from, where he went, what he was king of, and all that. And there's just not a whole lot known about him. So the writer of Hebrews is saying that the priesthood of Jesus Christ is without beginning and without end. That's right. Incomprehensible. So continuing that, of whom, Jesus Christ, we have many things to to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. So you ever been in a message before, and the and and it could be that the the, the messenger, the preacher is just shooting darts right over your head, or it could be he's saying stuff that you think you know what he's talking about, and all of a sudden, boom, I'm lost. I got no idea what's going on. Anybody besides me that ever happened to? So what did he just say in verse 11? Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. Meaning, you ought to know more by now, and you don't. You're satisfied with whatever doctrine. Maybe it could be that as long as you have the idea of sovereign grace down, you think there's no more to learn. 
or maybe because you have a mild understanding of the church that everything's okay. Whatever the case, this group of Hebrews, they had they were they they had much to be desired as far as what they knew and the truth that they held as a possession and loved. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles, the oracles of God. You should be teaching this stuff, and I got to go back and review the basics before we can move on. That's what the writer is saying. And become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. You're back on baby food. You're taking the bottle again, if you were ever weaned at all. So think about that for a moment. What if, what if things changed as they do? And you were called upon. So when Brother Nate went down, he was down for two months. He was out of the pulpit. And Brother Crowder over there in his 80s filled the pulpit. Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, in his 80s for two months. Something like that happened to me. Could you do it? Could you do it? I know you could because you've done it. Not could you just stand up and read, but do you have the faculty and the possession of truth that you could stand up and are become such a need of milk and not strong meat? Could you give strong meat to the group? I, I pray that you desire to do that and have possession of those things. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Yes, being able to stand up and, and, and but dig in, dig deep. That that should be the desire of every child of God. Yeah. So likewise, Sister Jill, what if something happened and she couldn't do the lady study? Would we cancel lady studies for two months? But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, mature. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised, by reason of use, of use. You know, babies don't just go from laying on their backs to running down the hallway. What do they do first? They grab, they pull up, they crawl. They do different things to exercise their muscles, to get them ready to walk and run. To discern both good and evil. Going back to the good and evil we're discussing in 3 John. For practical use, you see. Personal rejoicing. Holding of truth. I thank God that you receive the word of God with all readiness of mind. Do you know everything? No. Do I know everything? No. Is there stuff that I need to... Are there, are there times where I'm still just taking that milk bottle and I haven't grown in me? Yes. Yes, there's many things that I need to grow on, but we should all have the desire to grow and, and hold truth as it is declared in the word of God. I thank God that you're not dull of hearing, but I, I also encourage you that you desire to grow in your hearing as we all ought. Anyone who loves the truth ought to love to grow in it and not just to hold it, but that it would have a practical use. I thank God that you're growing in the Word of God. I pray that you see me growing in the Word of God. None of I haven't arrived, you know, so, so uh, that we would all grow in the Word of God. And, and it should be a personal holding of truth. 
You see, philosophies, I heard this over the weekend, philosophies change, convictions don't. What convictions do you have in the truth? These things, they ought to mean something to us. They ought to mean something. So when we, when we say walking, when we read verse 11, week by week, following not that which is evil, that which is good, he that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God, that verse ought to mean something to us. Because it's as simple as saved, unsaved. Believer, unbeliever. Of God, not of God. It ought to mean something to us. Not simply a reading of tenets or principles, but the truth of God's word should be dear, precious, and to be desired after. In Job chapter 23. Job 23. If you would please turn there just for a moment. In verse 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You ever miss the meal to be more in depth in God's word? If you had to pick one or the other, sometimes we can say that God, yeah, God's word is important, but it's an afterthought. After I do this and this and this, if I have time, I'll squeeze it in my day. Or is, is, is the word, the truth that is in thee, is it precious as gold? Is it more valuable than your necessary food? I believe that's the type of truth that it was in Gaius. That it was precious to him. He needed it. And then it was evidenced in his personal walk. So personal testimony, personal rejoicing, personal holding of truth, personal walk. Evidence that had been witnessed. That even as, it means seeing that or a walk that is agreeable with the truth that he claimed to have within him. A lot of people have, they, they, they say they believe certain truths, but their life, there's no G in Halder. There's, 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 no, there's no matching up. It doesn't line up. Square peg, round hole kind of stuff. A walk is, again, the way that someone regulates themselves. They conduct themselves. How do they live? How do they live? There's a, there's a saying, you, you talk the talk, but do you walk the walk? I believe Gaius did. It says that he did. Verse 3, it says that he did. It doesn't say that he's a perfect person, but he says there's truth in you, and you walk in it. Just as much as you have truth in you, you can recite these things and you say you believe these things but it's evident in your life and john greatly rejoiced over that john didn't greatly rejoice that gaius understood mysterious teachings he didn't say well i'm glad you figured out you know what this mystery or that mystery of the old testament was man i, I i'm glad to meet such a knowledgeable person gaius may have i don't know what his understanding was I, I don't know. I don't know how much of the Levitical priesthood or the Mosaic law he understood. It doesn't say, but the truth that was in him was evident in his life. John didn't rejoice that Gaius could recite vast passages and details. Oh, I, I greatly rejoiced when I found out you could recite the entire book of Isaiah. 
You know, some people, you know, they brag about that kind of stuff. And I'm glad that they could do it, but I've heard certain pastors that they're described as being so spiritual because they could recite vast amounts of Scripture, and that's great that they could. That truth that is in them, did they walk it? That's what John rejoiced over. The truth that was in Gaius, Gaius lived it. John rejoiced that Gaius lived it. I mean, wouldn't you say that Satan had Scripture memorized when he confronted the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4? He had Scripture memorized. I'm sure that Satan and these demons, they've got it memorized in every language coming and going. Gaius' walk and my walk aren't the same, which is not the same as your walk. We all have different opportunities and living and backgrounds and all this kind of stuff. But it would be well if we ask ourselves, what is the testimony of my personal walk? Sometimes people have a testimony among the people of God to live one way, but once they get out in the job place or the school or in the neighborhood or a home or whatever, they have a different testimony. Remember when we studied Philip out? And he had a wonderful testimony that, that he was broadcasting the gospel, but then he brought Paul and Paul's companions in. They lived with him for a while. That confirmed what kind of guy Philip was. I believe with all my heart, when we about a month ago when we got in that van and rode around together for about eight hours, we found out we might have had a thought of who each other was, but I feel like, I really do, that personally it was validated the, the rejoicing we should have over one another according to the truth and our walk in it. For that, I remember you saying that it was something else that, uh, that we didn't get any kind of fussing matches or anything like that. But I believe it was a sweet time of fellowship. I really do. It should take no one by surprise when those that claim to have the truth would also walk in it. In fact, it should surprise you when my sin is evident and, and that it, that should come by surprise to you. It's like, oh man, I wouldn't think that he would do that. And it should also break my heart and I should desire cleansing in that. It should be the expectation that I walk in the truth. It should be the expectation that you walk in the truth. We should desire fellowship with Jesus Christ, to walk in light as he is light. And our sin, our fault, should draw us in repentance and restoration. We read Galatians chapter 6 a moment ago. Look, if you would, in, in the book of James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verse 16. says, Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Why? Why is he saying to confess our faults? Is that so I can absolve you or you can absolve me? No, so we can help one another. Yeah. Elias, a man subject to like passions as we are, just man, flesh and blood, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Look at how he, James ties this in. 
Brethren, if any of you do err, or if anybody's caught in a fault, or anybody has a sin or offense, if, any, if anyone has a fault from the truth, and one convert him, how would they convert him? Is that talking about conversion and salvation? No, that's, that's an assistance, a godly assistance in repentance, turning from error. Let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. That sin that that it is unto death. We read that in 1 John chapter 5. And shall hide a multitude of sins. In our personal walk, if I'm caught in a fault or you're caught in a fault, we, we shouldn't drive each other down, but I should desire healing and you should desire to help me and likewise the same right you should desire healing and i should desire to help you if you read that in first john he says the same thing in chapter one chapter one and begin reading in verse five this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that god is light and in him is no darkness at all if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness we lie and do not the truth but if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins, forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Go back to verse 7, fellowship. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. Right? It should be the desire of every child of God not to sin. And if any man sin, we have an advocate or a defense with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So it ought to be the desire, again, for every child of God to have a personal walk in light, the truth that is in us, according to the new birth, would guide us in light with fellowship with Christ. That sin would bother us. We would desire to repent, confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. And we would follow that which is good. And it says in verse 11 again, He that doeth good is of God. Gates had a personal walk. Was he sinless? No. He did have a personal walk. I understand that this evidence is of the new birth. Again, it wasn't because Gaius was so great. It wasn't because he had a, a wonderful childhood. It wasn't because he had the right peers and he stayed right away from the right people or, or whatever. It's the work of God in Gaius and not the works of Gaius that are being praised, but the work of God in Gaius. Again, it says in verse 11, He that doeth good is of God. Right? Not that he that doeth good is of John or of Paul or of Gaius or of me or of you, born of God. I believe that this gives us cause to rejoice all the more, seeing the works of God evidenced in that which was dead. You look in John chapter 12, they're having a big old party because a man that was dead, Lazarus, is now alive. Right? Don't you think it was some kind of sight? that a dead thing is now a living thing and behaving like a living thing? Don't you think there was much cause for rejoicing, especially Mary and Martha, that were so grieved that their brother was dead and now he, here he is alive, rejoicing in that house? 
What ought to rejoice the children of God? Greatly rejoice the children of God to see those that were once dead and made alive by the gospel of Jesus Christ to live as living things, and that in a spiritual way. I believe that gives us all the cause to rejoice even more in God Almighty, that he calls us vain and wild and miserable and wicked sinners to follow after righteousness. 1 John chapter 5, verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. Our love of God and love of obedience and love of doing good and love of following God ought to give us a love for one another. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. It's unnatural for us to do anything godly. The love of God expressed in the children of God is the obedience that they have toward God and desiring to follow after Him. He that doeth good is of God. And His commandments are not grievous. It's not a burden. It's not a chore. It's not an iron around our neck. It is not grievous. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. It's victorious. It's not grievous. It's victorious. Child of God. A personal walk. Does my living, does your living, does our living bear record of the hope that lies within us? Look, as we're drawing out here, the, the book of Titus. When Paul wrote to Titus, there was some shameful things going on. And he threw out the book. If, you don't, if you've never just sat down and read through the book of Titus in one sitting, I encourage you to do it. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 5, he says, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting or lacking, and ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee. So Paul had taught Titus, he told Titus to, to teach others that they, and then he goes into the, the qualifications of a bishop or a pastor. And verse 10, verse 10 he then says, for there are many, and after he gives the qualifications of the pastor, for there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Much blabbermouth out there, a lot of people flapping their gums, saying a whole bunch of stuff. Whose mouths must be stopped. Well, how are we going to stop them? Who subvert whole houses, teaching things that they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. They're getting a payday and they're, they're teaching whatever. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. That's a lazy person. This witness is true. Oh, man. He's... So they're, they're in the Isles of Crete. There's liars, evil workers or evil beasts, and lazy folk. He said, this is true. What they're saying is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Well, how, is, how, how are they going to be sound in the faith? When they change their way of living. They had a testimony worth sorrowing over. They didn't have a testimony worth rejoicing over. Not giving heed to Jewish fables, he said in verse 14, and commandments of men that turn from the truth. 
Unto the pure, all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess, they say that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. They might have been able to preach a good message, though. They might have been able, oh, to recite precious doctrine, but in every good work reprobate. Verse 1, speak that, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. What does that involve? Verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us what? What's doctrine? It's teaching doctrining us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope or expectation and the righteous appearing, and the glorious appearing, rather, of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, thank God, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. That's right now, the good works. Yeah. A testimony worth rejoicing of. I firmly believe that Gaius had a personal walk. He didn't have the, the reprobate personal walk. I believe he had the type of personal walk that Paul was telling Titus to encourage of those in Crete. Does my personal witness show the hope? Does it bear record of the hope that lies within me? By our living and testimony, children of God, would we be rebuked sharply? I don't believe so. The, the group as it is right now, those that are here, I don't believe so. But something to bear in mind because we are yet sinners. By our living testimony, would we be confirmed with all authority? John is confirming Gaius that he greatly rejoiced based on the testimony that these brethren had that Gaius both had the truth in him and walked in it. That's wonderful. Again, I believe this assembly, the members in particular, had to have a testimony and having a walk in the truth and having the truth. I believe that the membership as it is right now, active, Y'all have individually a testimony worth rejoicing over. Am I saying you're perfect? No. I'm saying, but I do believe sin bothers you, and I believe you love truth, and I believe you want to walk in. I believe that if I were to follow you, that I would not be following that which is evil, but that which is good. I don't believe that any of y'all would, would commend me to do evil works, nor would you lead me into any. He that doeth good is of God. I believe, children of God, that you are of God. I've got no reason to say otherwise. He that doeth evil hath not seen God. I greatly rejoice in this. I greatly rejoice in the testimony that each of you have in the truth and holding it, if it being in you, and walking in it. I thank God for it. I really do. I really do. I believe when people come here in just a few months and they have this meeting, we have, we have our meeting that, that the people of God will also bear record and that, that, you, that you won't be irritating to them and they won't be irritating to you, that, that there'll be a, 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 a testimony of your love of truth and desire to walk in it. That it doesn't rub you raw, the truth doesn't. That, 
that you're confirmed in it and you grow by it. You have a desire for it. I do encourage that you would desire all the more that it would be in you and not be as babes but continue to grow and that you do continue to walk in it ever, ever walking in the truth. If you look in the book of Proverbs, find it. Um, here it is, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 18. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more under the perfect day. The path of a child of God, I mean, I'm not living in the perfect day right now in the presence of God. I mean, we read that in 1 John. I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not, I'm not what I'm going to be. But just as much as anybody that has the hope that they shall be like him when we shall see him as he is, we should desire to be more like him every single day. That light should be brighter and brighter. It ought to shine more and more and more and more and more in my life. And I had a desire to walk in light as he is light. That, that path of the just is as the shining light. Well, the shining light is Jesus Christ himself. And the more I mature in the word of God and walking after Christ, the brighter my life ought to be, especially in a, in a dark and dreary world. Child of God, is that your desire? I pray that it is. Each one of us has a personal testimony. Each one of us does. And I rejoice greatly over each of you. I, I pray that the more and more we would have, each one of us would have a testimony worth rejoicing over. I believe that each of you to personally hold the truth. And I desire that each of you hold it a little more every day. I personally believe that each one of you have a witness of walking in the truth, and I desire that you walk in it brighter and brighter every day. Follow that which is good. That path of the just, follow that which is good. Follow Christ. Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. Follow Christ. He that doeth good is of God. The child of God will follow Christ. In him there is no evil. There is no darkness. He that doeth evil hath not seen God. You don't follow Christ. You're not a Christian. That's what a Christian means. Follower of Christ. Christ-like. May the Lord grant unto us to hear and to crave these things for his glory. To have a true craving for the truth of God, even as Christ himself is the way, the truth, and the life. A, a, a desire and craving for Christ himself and to follow after him. If, I, if we were writing each other letters, would you say, Brother Joey, I re rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in me, even as thou walkest in the truth. I, I pray so. 
could a similar letter be written about you? Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified to the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. May it be our desire for, for Christ's sake and the glory of God that such things would be said. For his glory, for his honor, his work in us, fruit of the Spirit, that is following after God. Again, it's not he's not commanding the mind of Gaius nor the body of Gaius, but the evidence of the new birth in Gaius, following after Jesus Christ. Sinners, I, you don't have a testimony worth rejoicing over. You break my heart. It's a sad, it's sad and everything. But the Lord is angry with the wicked every day. It, it grieves me for your sake, but but God Almighty is angry with the wicked. Gaius held truth in him as a possession you hold the lies what's the chief lie what is the lie satan told him in the beginning you can be like god that's a lie you hold to it somehow some way you think you're good enough you can be good enough to present yourself before god that's a lie you walk in lies because whatever people hold or have in them they walk accordingly it's not what goes into the man that defiles a man, but what comes out, right? Well, what's in you? It's lies, it's sin, and it's evidenced in the way you live your life. Even those old righteous Pharisees, Romans chapter 10, they have a zeal toward God, but not according to knowledge. They go out to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. They want to save themselves by their good works. That counted them as rebels against the Almighty. That counts you as a rebel against the Almighty. There's no cause for rejoicing there. I encourage you to quit yourself. And by the power of God, believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, His gospel. This might sound strange, but at the condemnation of the wicked, there will be rejoicing in that of a godly sort. Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. That's what they'll shout in Revelation 19. And it'll be right. It'll be good. How much rejoicing those cast into judgment, how much you reckon they'll do? That rich man in Luke 16, is he rejoicing at all? Christ himself, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. But was he rejoicing while being judged by God Almighty for my sins? No, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There's no rejoicing under the judgment of God. Oh, a glad rejoicing when the dead is made alive. That parable of the 99. Rejoice, I found my sheep. That woman, she found her coin, didn't she? That man, his son, returned. Rejoice! Kill the thing! Put shoes on him! The, the ring on his finger. Get a robe! While there's no rejoicing at all in wickedness and sin and lies, there's great rejoicing in the work of God and salvation from sin. I encourage you to repent of yourself and turn to that only one that can bring true rejoicing, true True glee, true thriving, Jesus Christ the Lord.
the Lord bless the preaching of his word.